Hello, good morning, good afternoon, happy Monday. My name is Tucker Johnson, and this is Nipsey Insights. We are coming to you live, and I am coming to you live. I am on a different side of the your 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 mobile screen, your app screen today, because I'm coming to you with Sarah Hickey, and we're starting off a new program called Last Week in Mobilization. Right? This is this is the working title, Sarah. This is the working title. I wanted to come up with a snazzier type title, but then uh, this was actually pretty fitting. So let's uh, keep that title. <laughs> well, good. So last week in localization, we're going to be going over all the latest published material, research, um, all all of that stuff from the previous week in localization. Your one stop shop. If you have stuff that you'd like to be featured, or if you have stuff that we're not going to be talking about, leave it in the comments um, down below. All of the comments are going to be displayed here on screen, so this is your chance to interact with everything. Really quickly, uh, introduction from our, our sponsors, our host here, Nimsy Insights. We are a market research and consulting company. We specialize in global markets, meaning globalization, translation, localization, internationalization, go-to-market strategy, all of that stuff that is so important when you are taking your startup, your company, your brand global into new markets. And today, I think we're going to be focusing on interpreting. Is that right, Sarah? Yes, exactly. Um, because I, I, maybe I should explain a little bit. I actually have a background in interpreting. Um, by that, I mean I'm a trained conference interpreter, um, more or less prior to my NIMSI days, uh, because since then, it's been mostly uh, interpreting research for me. But um, that also allows me to look at the market from all the different sides, let's say. I've been an insider as an interpreter, and now I'm involved in the side that I look at interpreting companies, interpreting technology providers. I still talk to interpreters, and even though I research other areas of the language industry now, interpreting is still kind of where, where my heart is. It's my home turf. It's very near and dear to your heart. Exactly. It's, it's like yeah. when I talk about project management. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you're in your natural habitat. Exactly, exactly. Well, let's, let's head on over to the report here. Where can we find this for, for those that are listening and would like to follow along at home? Yeah, so this is on the NIMSI website, so on NIMSI.com. If you go to research, and then we have a whole section that is just about interpreting. And there it's um, actually not the last report, because the last report was our um, report about American Sign Language Interpreting. Um, we're going to do a webinar about that soon. So that's why I didn't want to spill the beans there yet. But you can already read the report Stay on our tuned. website. Stay tuned, folks. Exactly. It's coming. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, the next one is then uh, this um, article uh, where we publish an update about innovation and investment in, in remote interpreting. Uh, because so much has happened in the last year. Um, basically, before the pandemic, um, of course, remote interpreting already existed. It's It's been there for a long time. But, well, we like to describe it as a solution in search of a problem because it just wasn't that widely used. Most people still preferred on-site interpreting. And, I mean, this is even still true today. Uh, on-site interpreting, for many cases, is the preferred mode and will definitely um, come back strong even after the pandemic. But what has happened in the last year is that because of all the lockdowns and the safety measures, the pandemic really gave remote interpreting a significant boost because, you know, when people couldn't meet in person anymore, well, they had to find another way because life couldn't just come to a halt. You know, people still 
um, needed to go to, well, especially in these times, I guess, go to the hospital um, and other more pleasant news. People needed to keep uh, any form of business afloat, events moved online. Um, and even in the cases of uh, courts and trials, I mean, courts closed for a little while, but eventually people needed to be tried. So, you know, all of that pivoted to the remote world. And wherever there's a need for um, supporting people uh, from different language backgrounds, then there's a need for interpreting. Yeah, life goes on, and interpreting is just exactly. part of life. Translation is just part of life. So one of the reasons we say all the time is the the language services industry, this whole industry that's built up around supporting language and interpretation, um, culturalization, it's impervious to crisis because what what do you say? What what is the expression that you use, Sarah? I think that that is the expression that uh, we use. It's impervious to crises. Um, oh, because it's, it's when, it's, when in good times we translate contracts, in bad times yeah. we translate lawsuits. Lawsuits. I actually stole that one from Renato. I and, have to well, admit. <laughs> I stole many things uh, from Renato. So, <laughs> yeah, I think he doesn't mind. Almost as many things as he's stolen from me. So, well. <laughs> fair is fair. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's true, and this is something I really love about the language industry, and it's uh, it's kind of like a in that sense, almost, well, let's say the average person who doesn't work in the language industry directly might forget about this. But at the same time, you know, wherever there's people, there's a need for communication, right? And uh, so that way it touches upon absolutely everything on every aspect of the economy. And that's why we always say as well that um, if you want to know how different segments of the industry were impacted, you need to look at the industries that we serve. So because right. there's, of course, a direct connection, right? Well, you know, and it's folks, and I don't want to go too off onto a tangent. I want to get into this report here. But, you know, folks to say, you know, how is, how is the pandemic, how is the recession, how is the fill in the blank uh, affected the language services industry? And my answer is it depends who your client is. It, it depends exactly. who your clients are, right? Like if, if you're doing on-site interpretation for um, every school district in your state, you might be doing a lot of business in 2019, but 2020, your on-site interpreters don't have much to do unless you can really quickly make that that switch to VRI. Yeah, and um, actually, before we delve into that a little deeper, something I also love that is that is related is uh, a lot of companies I talk to, they, they didn't just, uh, if they had an on-site interpreting business, for example, they didn't just manage to move their business online and move their clients online, but a lot of them also started offering kind of um, adjacent services. Uh, so that maybe in some cases, not all the on-site interpreting demand um, pivoted to remote interpreting, let's say for conferences, even though a lot of it did. Uh, in other cases, then people told me they suddenly had more of a request for subtitling for videos um, or for captioning or for translation of documents for online conferences. And they started adding this then during the pandemic you know, to um, meet the client's needs and to keep their business afloat. But now sort of coming out of the pandemic or either way looking ahead, um, they won't just drop those services, but they have added a new line of business to their existing business. So that after the pandemic, you know, they will still continue offering interpreting services, but now also these other services. So they're actually coming out stronger out of what was a very tough time in the beginning. So well, it's, I, I it's love the hearing old, those stories. That which does not kill us makes us exactly. stronger, right? And it's great to hear those stories. But, you know, there's also stories, you know, rest yeah. in peace, right? Mm -hmm. um, but not as Definitely. many as you would think. Not as many as no. you would think. 
Not as many as what you would think. And even in some cases, I mean, I just, I, I won't name the company, of course, but I had a conversation just recently where the beginning of the pandemic was really hard for this company. They had predominantly on-site interpreting and had to let people go. And it was really <laughs> broke the owner's heart as well. Right. Um, well, but now... Other... <laughs> I, just keep, I just keep interjecting. It's like we, we you know, a lot of okay. interpreting companies, a lot of interpreters, we get in this business to, to help people because they have big hearts, right? And yeah, just, I don't know where I was going with that. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, and you're right. And it's, and it's true, you know, it's not, um, there's a human element that we all care about. And, uh, but anyway, with this company now, I, I love to hear that in the end now they found a, a new way. They actually took this as an opportunity to completely restructure their business, which they had been kind of putting off for a while. And now they're coming out stronger and have onboarded new people, not for the same roles. So, you know, there was like a reshuffling internally, but either way, it was just such a nice story to hear that after they really struggled, uh, they managed to turn things, uh, things around and it's not an isolated story. Um, so that's great to hear. What, what would that, that's fascinating, but you know what, let's, let's get into this report here because <laughs> I, I could just, we could just talk about fascinating stuff all day. But walk yes, walk me through this here. What is this? Who is this for? Who is this about? Um, it's, it's for many, many different people, actually. I'll come into this at the very end of the report. Um, so basically, the reason I, I wrote this was uh, is I felt like it was uh, time to give an update on remote interpreting, exactly because, okay. like I said, a, a lot has happened in the last year, um, not just in remote interpreting and interpreting in general, but especially in the remote area. There was such a boost um, to uh, remote in general, but then also uh, within that um, in remote simultaneous interpreting, which... Um, well, I don't want to say it surprised me because it makes sense in the context of the pandemic um, with everyone having these video conferences online all the time. Um, but just to say that within remote interpreting, like prior to the pandemic, RSI was like the smallest segment probably. Yeah, there was not as much, con because it's conference interpreting largely. Uh, conference and interpreting. RSI, for those listening, let, let's walk through the terminology here, shall we? Yes. RSI, VRI, OPI. Yeah, so there's um, remote simultaneous interpreting, RSI, uh, that is basically conference interpreting um, that is largely happening uh, on-site usually for big events or international organizations. Like the most typical example would be looking at the, if you imagine the EU or the UN having a big meeting um, for people from all different nations and then there's people in, sitting in the background in the booth with their headsets on and uh, they're interpreting at the same time as the meeting is happening. So that is just simultaneous interpreting. And if you do it uh, not on site, but from, well, I don't want to say it from home these days, also from home, but sometimes also from interpreting hubs, either way, not at the same location, then it becomes remote simultaneous interpreting. So that's RSI. And it's still largely focused on events, business meetings, um, where there's usually when you have more than just um, one other language or like two languages, because um, then you want the meeting to proceed a bit quicker. And it just takes a very long time if you always have to pause and interpret into another language like we do with uh, consecutive interpreting. 
Um, and then um, VRI oh, okay. is video. Okay, I was going to say this oh, is sorry, a crash course. I hope everyone's taking notes here. <laughs> yeah, please. There's also an info drop on uh, Nimsy, um, Nimsy's YouTube channel. I, I like how when you started you out, up. you're like, so um, RSI is like conference interpreting. <laughs> What's conference interpreting? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. These are all things that I had to learn because my, my background is largely in the localization, translation size. So, like, I, I did not know anything about interpreting until we started looking into it at NIMSI. So it's been an education for me. So that's why I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of pushing you, like, what what are these terms that – No, it's good that you do be because we – we tend to forget about what we what we know, right? So, right, I, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, yeah. And then there's um, OPI and VRI. So OPI stands for over the phone interpreting, and VRI for video remote interpreting. So, pretty uh, OPI fairly self-explanatory in the sense that it already states it, <laughs> lines it out, right? It's over the phone interpreting. So, uh, literally, someone picks up the phone to call an interpreter just on the phone. So it's just audio. And it's uh, consecutively so that the one person speaks first and then the interpreter interprets in the other language. Uh, it's largely used, for example, in hospital settings or when the police need an interpreter and they can just quickly call someone. Um, and then uh, video remote interpreting is pretty much the same idea except with video. So in a lot of hospitals, they actually have this now as well, that they have maybe a tablet or something or installed that they can press um, a button and get an interpreter um, that they can actually also see, which is uh, not just nicer for the human connection and picking up on clues, but sometimes also more relevant and uh, in like the medical context, right? So, awesome. Yeah, that's, thank you. That's for that. it in a nutshell. Thank you for that I mean, we could go deeper, but yeah. <laughs> now, now that everybody is crystal clear on the different types and modalities of interpreting, because that was pretty much all you need to know about interpreting right now. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> all right. No. Th thanks for the intro. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so, so much has happened there in the last year. Um, and so I felt like it was time for an update. And um, it happily coincided with two major uh, updates from within the uh, in remote interpreting, I want to say, uh, industry. So one came from Kudo and one from Boostlingo. Uh, I'll explain that. also I'm who those are. Sorry about that. No, no, that's okay. We don't need to take it top to bottom either. Kudo. But uh, we happened, can, of course. So what happened with Kudo? What happened with Kudo and what does it mean for the industry? For yeah, the profession? So, um, what does it mean for the profession of interpreting? <laughs> okay. So, uh, I mean, first of all, who is Kudo? Uh, they are um, a cloud-based platform that enables multilingual meetings by providing uh, the technology that allows for remote simultaneous interpreting. Um. If you ever look into the space, you will surely have a co have come across Kudo. Um, they are kind of everywhere these days because they are um, very innovative and they keep on adding more features and, um, you know, keep reinventing stuff. So um, there's lots and lots of updates coming out of Kudo. So this certainly wasn't the first update from them in the last year. But um, I felt like it was time because they received a massive um, investment. So they received funding of 21 million US dollars after they'd already received funding of 6 million. So 27 million in total in the last year, which is quite significant. I think the largest investment in multilingual meetings ever. Yeah, um, quite yeah. a bit. And I, I've pulled up the, the website, the Kudos website here. It's kudoway.com for those of you guys that want to educate, your educate yourselves more about Kudo. Exactly. 
And um, yeah, I mean, you might rightfully wonder uh, why would anybody uh, care? I mean, aside from thinking that's very good for them, but why should I care? Mm. Well, I think my my short answer uh, to that is because it's an investment, not just in a, in a tech company, but it's an investment in multilingual meetings. So it's an investment right. in uh, human powered interpreting, right? It's uh it means because, there is a market there. And, and so much of what we see when, when it's in terms of investment, so much of what we see is technology focused. It's not human focused. Mm -hmm. And we live, we live, <laughs> we work and live in a very human centric profession here. I mean, it's, it's one of the last, it will be one of the last few pro professions to be fully automated. Right. We are, and we're fighting tooth and nail to make sure that it's the human element stays in there. And this is what I like about it. It's not just, you know, like, hey, here's a bunch of money to go develop some fancy new technology that's going to eventually replace us one day. It's an investment in how do we, and because Kudo is a technology driven platform, right? It mm -hmm. is technology driven, but it's an investment into. How do we create human-centric, human-powered technology, technology-powered humans, right? Technology-powered mm -hmm. communication. So it's, it's exactly. different. Yeah, exactly. And it also really shows that, uh, that the investors believe in uh, you know, there being a, a market for this, not just for this technology, but also for this type of service. And, um, well, I, I believe in it too, obviously. I'm, I, well... Nothing's obvious, but from having looked into this uh, for a long time, and um, something that that I really like about the the boom and remote interpreting, and I know it's very controversial among the interpreters, but one thing it has shown is that um, the market it's far from saturated. You know, so um, on the one hand. Yes, uh, some on-site interpreting has been replaced with remote interpreting right now anyway. Uh, a lot of on-site will come back though and remote interpreting isn't about replacing on-site. It's, uh, if anything, this shows that it can expand the market. So like a product like Kudo, of course, on the one hand, uh, is used for very large meetings. For example, now they also, um, I know some of their clients are also from the uh, UN or similar organizations. And it was great uh, that they were, for example, able to use um, services like from uh, the platform from Kudo, for example, to have their meetings now during the pandemic, right? It's essential that this kind of discussion goes on. Um, on the other hand, then also, this opens the door to a whole new pool of clients from the corporate sector, especially. Um, who maybe never considered using interpreting services before. Uh, a lot of them even didn't consider having all these uh, video conferences before. Some did, some others didn't. But now, since the pandemic, uh, it exposed a need. And well, people have seen that it works. They like it. And I mean, the, the prime example also is, uh, is Zoom, of course. I mean, Zoom... Well, Zoom's and become it's the norm, right? And yeah. this is a great analogy. It's like a year, two years ago, video calls were not the norm. Like when you would log mm -hmm. into a call, it was always it was someone you've never met before. There was always this open question like, oh, is this going to be a video call? Are they going to turn on their cameras? Do I have to turn on my yeah. camera? And now it's like, no, you turn on your camera. Like it's assumed. That's how quickly our global meeting culture, at least in my industry, but that's how mm -hmm. quickly the global... Um, meeting culture has changed. And this yeah. this is another indicator of stuff that used to be kind of nice to have becoming mm -hmm. more mainstream. 
Absolutely. It's, it's completely mainstream now. I, I don't know anybody anymore that has not worked with uh, Zoom. And I want to keep adding and other platforms because that's true. But Zoom is also the clear uh, front runner there. There's just no question about that. If you look at the figures in comparison, um, like even my, like I, I said, I think <laughs> during our last live stream, even my mother has been on Zoom now. And if you know my mother, that's not where she hangs out, you know? Yeah. Zoom is, yeah, Zoom is kind of the de facto winner <laughs> of the conferencing yeah. wars in my opinion right and that having been said i don't like zoom i don't use zoom we're not using zoom right now to facilitate yeah um i also have other preferences um personally but uh yeah one way or another if you look at the figures everyone is on zoom and yeah even zoom has added an interpreting feature it's very um mm -hmm. rudimentary uh it doesn't hold a candle to platforms like kudo or Bruce Lingo, but they have one, so they've also realized that there's a there's a need there or there's um, opportunity there. I want to say, uh, which actually kind of nicely leads us into the the next announcement that we're writing about in that report as well, and that is that um, Boost Lingo has uh, found a way to integrate with Zoom. So yeah, that was going to um, be my question is like so because that to me is like the next question is like. <sighs> Is there space to sustain an interpreting focused web conferencing system, right? That's like mm -hmm. interpreting first and then web conference separate. And and I've used Gudo. It's a fine platform. It works just fine. It's it's it's, it's as good mm -hmm. as Zoom. But um, Zoom is not interpreting first. Zoom is always going to be you know in um, single language first with interpreting as an add on. So yeah. That that was my biggest question through this is who's going to come out with the first Zoom integration? Because that yeah, to me is seems to make sense. Yeah, you're not the only one asking that question for sure, because uh, pretty much over the last year, um, everyone has been coming to us also ask or telling us, well, our clients, they want to use Zoom. They don't want to use our platform. And, uh, you know, we found this kind of a way of integration or how should we handle this? And others have told it like pretty much, Anyone I know, any company I know that offers uh, remote simultaneous interpreting has found a way, like one way or another, to integrate with Zoom. But in most cases, it's not real integrations, for now at least. Uh, the majority of companies are working on it. Uh, in the majority of cases right now, it's uh, more like complex workarounds. So you're taking the the audio and sometimes also the video from the one platform, you're bringing it to the other platform, participants have to log into both, the interpreters work on the one platform. So, you know, because since you brought it up as well with the, you know, um, the functionalities of the interpreting platforms, for example, they are uh, like, it's not that simple to run an RSI platform. So you have to have different language channels, right? You cannot just have one audio channel and you need to select your language. Then the interpreters need to be able to communicate with each other. They need to hand over. Ideally, you want to have a relay function. So that means um, that you can, as the interpreter, listen to your other interpreting colleagues and then interpret from them. Yeah. Um, like, for example, I only do English to German and German to English. So if someone's speaking French, well, I have to first listen to a colleague who goes from French into English or something. So it, yeah, it's not simple, right? And I think my exactly. suspicion is the reason there's not interpreting functionality built out into more platforms is because there's just lack of awareness and people don't realize how mm -hmm. complex that is. Um, yeah. My suspicion is developers at more than one company have thought to themselves, well, if they want an interpreter, then the interpreter can just dial in like an attendee. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah, or, or exactly. similar such things, right? 
Yeah. And why That's wouldn't why they? If they're not educated, if they don't know, why why wouldn't they? Exactly. Right? Yeah. And I have to just call that, out, I'm sorry to completely derail yeah. this, but I love the fact that it says, this is the topic we will talk about today at the top of this. <laughs> well, it is the topic. Which one? This but, is yeah. the topic <laughs> that we are going to talk. That is completely intentional, everybody who is watching this. Yeah. And it's not Absolutely. because this is the we'll first time we've ever done this on this platform. No. <laughs> I, I, pull, I pulled up Bruce Lingo here just to give Bruce Lingo a shout out here the unified interpretation platform um, yes so and this is actually something um, I, I actually didn't even introduce Bruce Lingo properly there um, they do not do remote simultaneous interpreting their fo- at least for now um, their focus is um, video remote interpreting and over the phone interpreting and they also do interpreter management so um that's why that is a well i don't want to call it a caveat because it's still but it's, it's different let's say um that boost lingo was like the first one now to fa- to do a proper integration with zoom um but it's not for remote simultaneous interpreting it's for um vri and they already had the opi function before the the audio integration now they have audio and video um in the sense that they are and uh, Boostlingo has been added to the Zoom uh, app marketplace. Um, so this was officially done with Zoom, which is quite cool. Um, yeah, it, it's sorry, I'm all blah, rambling here now. No, 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 it's fine. Uh, I just wanted to make the difference that, um, so I, I was highlighting this in the report as um, a major advancement, which it really is, um, because they're the first ones to have done the this full integration with Zoom. Um, for the other ones, it was always a workaround. Do you expect the only thing to highlight to there coming in after that, like are other companies looking into that, um, trying to get into yeah. the, the app store and all of that stuff? And what's the timeline Definitely. on that? If you had to guess, um, I wouldn't say very long, few months. I know a lot of companies who are working on this, and also um, Boostlingo, for example, they're also looking at integrating with other platforms. So people aren't stopping at Zoom. Most are targeting Zoom first because of its popularity, but that's not like sure, the sure. end of the road, right? So, and I think it's really smart. So because, uh, like you, you were asking there as well, is there really enough of a platform or? Um, I keep overusing the word platform now, but uh, is there enough of an incentive to use interpreting platforms when you have all these video conferencing platforms? And so in that sense, technically, uh, providers of interpreting technology could see this whole uh, Zoom boom as a threat, but it could also, and they should probably see it as an opportunity, right? Because uh, there is a massive market for video conferencing. And clearly there is a need for multilingual video conferencing also. Um, so instead of fighting against this and trying to outdo Zoom, uh, I think fi- trying to find an integration is the, is the best way forward because you can cash in on this massive trend. But at right. the same time, you still have your platform that is undoubtedly better for multilingual meetings, uh, that is better set up for the interpreters, and you can bring something to the table to make the multilingual meeting on a platform like Zoom better. Right. Nothing to yeah. add. <laughs> no, that's well, it. <laughs> way too much to add. Way too much to add from <laughs> from my side here. Uh, let's 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 go back to your report. What's um. What's in it for dot, 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 for interpreters, for buyers, providers? Um, and we, we've, yeah. kind of, we've kind of touched on this, but um, 
what do people need to be on the lookout for here? Not not on the lookout. I don't want to say that because I want to say like it needs to put people on the defensive. What what exciting stuff should people be focused on depending upon what their role is in this industry, this profession? Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, I wanted to to highlight that at the end of the report to not just give an update on you know what has happened, but also what this means for the different sides of the like the different stakeholders because this is kind of what we do at NIMSI, right? We look at all sides of the market and not just um, take the one lens. So I wanted to start with the interpreters there in the report because everything kind of stands and falls with the interpreters, right? Without interpreters, there's no interpreting, <laughs> at least for now. <laughs> um, you know, looking at machine interpreting, but um, so yeah, um, like I already said in the beginning, um, the first thing is that this is an investment in uh, human-powered interpreting. So it means that there is a market, um, there's a need for the services that interpreters provide, and that the market is expanding rapidly. Um, investors are convinced of this; otherwise, they wouldn't put their their money into it, right? So this is a massive confirmation there. So that's the kudo investment. That's what that means for interpreters. Right. And for Boost yeah. Lingo? For Boost Lingo... Um, I mean, what does that mean for interpreters? I should say. For interpreters, yeah, exactly. So it's not just companies who are receiving the... Like LSPs who are receiving requests requests to um, provide their interpreting services on Zoom. It's also the interpreters individually. A lot of interpreters are um, self-employed, as we know. Um, and an inter integration like the one from Boost Lingo will just make it a lot easier for them to provide their services on Zoom. Now, again, this is not for remote simultaneous interpreting yet, at least. It's for video remote interpreting. But still, before there was all these complex workarounds, and I've seen setups from interpreters with like <laughs> thousands of devices and screens open. And ideally now, that should not be needed anymore. You can get an invite. Um, same as you would be invited to any other uh, Zoom call, and then you can uh, join directly from the Boost Lingo platform into the Zoom call as the interpreter. And uh, for the participants, they just need to be on the Zoom call, and you can provide your interpreting there. And it should give you access to a whole new range of clients as well, because what, you know so many. Question: are... Does it have video capabilities for like um, ASL or sign language interpretation as well, or is it just for spoken interpretation? Uh, technically, it's also available for for ASL, but it's just yeah, it's all um, consecutively. Consecutively, uh, yeah, 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 consecutively, yeah, yeah. And ASL is largely um, simultaneous, as far as my understanding. It's not my area of expertise. It's well, that, as well. that takes me yeah. back to my other question, though: is what's the timeline for people rolling out functions, features, capabilities for RSI? If you had to guess. Uh, do you um, like, for is there a way to do that? This shows my ignorance, probably, on in the interpreting area. Like, how, how do you no, no. translate that into a Zoom plugin? Because you you mentioned that oh, it's just for VRI at this point, just for consecutive, mm -hmm. not for simultaneous. Am yeah, it's actually no, no, um, that's correct. So it's con it's consecutive interpreting for now, um, which is already a good step forward, right? Because you're still removing a lot of these complex workarounds. And um, something I wanted to highlight here again is as well with the extra um, access to clients because basically um, anyone who has a proper Zoom account now, whether it's individual or corporate, can get the Boost Lingo app now. And then as soon as they have that signed up with Boost Lingo, they can invite an interpreter also to their call. So technically a lot more people can make use of these interpreting services now, which is great. Um, back to your question though. Um, 
yeah, for RSI, I personally, so I don't know the ins and outs of how to make this work because I'm not a tech person like that. I just know that RSI is very complex and what you need for it. So I don't personally know how to solve that problem. But what I do know is that people are working on it. And I actually recently talked to Interactio. They're they're not mentioned in the article because I only talked to them afterwards. Um, They are another RSI platform, a really big one as well. Um, They work with the European Union as well. It's public knowledge, so I can say that as well. Um, And uh, they told me actually that they have also managed to integrate um, the audio stream into a bunch of platforms, including Zoom. So they told me that, for example, for Zoom, Participants only need to log into Zoom and then they're prompted to select their language before being placed into the call. And once they selected it, they will receive the audio from the interpretation directly on Zoom. And there's no need for the participants to use the Interaxio platform, whereas the uh, interpreters, they work on the Interaxio platform in the background and the audio is transmitted back and forth between Interaxio and Zoom. So that is still not like a proper, proper integration, but it's definitely also a significant step forward. And that company... Like Interaxio, they are working on um, proper RSI integration with uh, different platforms right now as well. Awesome. And I got them pulled up on screen here. Just So if yeah. you guys want to know, if anyone's listening, want to know more about Interactio, Interactio, I-N-T-E-R-A-C-T-I-O dot I-O. You can go check them out. Yeah. So they're another one of the, the big RSI providers. Um and yeah, so there is a lot happening in that area. I'm, I'm excited to see who kind of cracks the code first, but I know that a lot of people are working on it right now and we are making steps forward. Oh, yeah. And some people are working on it with millions of dollars in the bank account, <laughs> right? Exactly. As we see. exactly. And I'll be surprised if we don't see more investment in this space. Um, yeah. And especially in RSI, there's so much happening right now. There's new platforms being launched. There's investment happening. Uh, lots of like the, even the, the smaller traditional LSPs have come saying we, we're getting more requests for RSI or we might be launching our own platform. So it's becoming a lot more uh, mainstream. And then on the other side, you have the, the boom in the, uh, that we haven't even mentioned yet. It's in the telemedicine um, sector as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a whole uh, outside of scope. Let's get through this. <laughs> Let's get through yeah, the short yeah, report yeah. that we're looking at today. Um, yeah. Buyers of interpreting services. What does this mean for them? Oh, yeah. So for the buyers of interpreting services, um, well, it means that the market for interpreting services is expanding, right? So they should have better access to more resources. Soon. More I don't know. If the, yeah, exactly. There is uh, a lot more investment, a lot more innovation. So the technologies will become easier and easier to use and will be more tailored to the client's needs eventually. Because in the end, that's all that matters, right? You can have the best technology ever, but if no client wants to use it, then, well, there's no point. Sure. Um, and that is another reason for, I think, also making use of this whole integration side of things. Because, yeah, in, in a lot of cases... Well, the clients just want to work on what they know and you have to just make it easy for them and not just go, well, but mine is better and I have to train you on my thing. And then I go like, well, I go find someone who can work with me instead. Well, that's just it. Nobody wants to work in a new platform. We, we all have so many platforms that we use on a day-to-day basis and nobody wants to download a new app, right? So Exactly. Yes, but we've already gone off on that tangent. Providers of interpreting services. What does this mean but, for them? 
for them, it's good news because it's just a clear sign that the market for interpreting services is growing. Um, and they should be, they should make a move towards cashing in on those remote trends as well and expand their global reach and the client portfolio. All righty. And investors. Wow. You really break it down. So, yeah. I, someone's I tried. taken Inga's persona profiling workshop here. Look at <laughs> this. All right. Investors. What does that mean for investors? Um, well, I, for the investors, uh, basically, I think it ha that the pandemic has exposed remote interpreting as a viable solution, um, which uh, shows that uh, funding this te technological development uh, is going to pay off in the end. So there's so much happening in this field now that I feel like now is the time to invest in it as well to get a piece of the pie. Um, because on the one hand, on-site interpreting will, of course, return. But I firmly believe that remote interpreting is also here to stay and that it will expand the market for the services. Um, and so I think now is the time. All right. Last one. Dot, dot, dot. The interpreting market and VIT providers. Yeah, this is kind of more wrapping it up. I was because say, it's who is again, the, this, is, this is very general. Oh, right? this is, I think this is bringing the, it all together. Yeah. So VIT providers, I should explain, this is something, a term we use at NIMSI as well. VIT stands for virtual interpreting technology. So this is where we group the different types of, um, let's say, remote interpreting technology or interpreter management and scheduling as well, um, which was so far a fairly small section of the market. But again, it's just kind of all of this shows that the side of the market is growing and um, kind of that they're doing something right and that there is um, room for for growth in this field. I'd be I'd be very interested to watch this play. I will be very interested to watch this play out to see what the uh, service provider slash technology provider slash buyer slash interpreter ecosystem ends up turning out to be. Right. So yeah. like, are we going to see something like in the localization industry where it's very common to have a third party technology provider, but then engage with a separate supplier to actually provide mm -hmm. the, the human resources necessarily for necessary for translation? Or are we going to see more hybrid technology slash um, human capital um, companies, mm -hmm. services companies that are able to do both? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to watch. Um yeah, because like we highlighted in the NIMSI 100 that there's more and more of a crossover happening in general in the language industry, like you already said, with the services and technology being married rather than just one or the other. Um, I think in interpreting, uh, like in most cases, it's all about making it as easy and as accessible as possible. Right? Don't make it difficult for people to use your service, uh, adapt it to their needs. Um, so this is, I think, the the key in all of this. Um, and yeah, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel, maybe, um, partnerships, integrations. Um, I would see that as the way forward. And something else we highlighted earlier up in the report actually is that we also predict, um, that there will be post pandemic more of a hybrid model for, for example, for yeah. conference interpreting that, you know, some people can be like, even when there is an onsite event that is physically happening, that not every participant or every stakeholder needs to be onsite. So maybe some speakers can be remote. Some of the audience can be remote. Some of the interpreters can be remote, depending on how things work out. If you can travel to the location or not, you can still join. And a lot of the interpreting technologies, they already allow for this now. 
And I do think that after the pandemic, we'll see more of those types of events. Well, and especially as connectivity around the world increases too. Yeah. With 5G becoming more and more prolific out there with increased access to broadband broadband to more and more Mm -hmm. remote areas, then this becomes a possibility for people, you know, decreased cost of cellular data connections in certain parts of the country. It's opening up more possibilities for people to, to, to phone it in, so to speak. Right. Yeah, exactly. Or you can also, I mean, I think I told the story before, but like one of my friends, she used to have to travel for like a one hour meeting all the way across Germany uh, and like lose a full work day. Yeah. Um, They had to be on site. Whereas now her employees are also realizing, well, maybe for those like one hour meetings, we can also just do it on Zoom or another platform. And we just meet when we, you know, we have a little bit more to talk about. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so. batch it together. Well, this is something we've been dealing with for. And I, I, I ain't going to make any friends with saying this, but I, I always kind of thought that the interpreting as an industry, not as a profession, but as an industry is... Uh, it's a little bit behind like it trails mm-hmm. the localization industry. And I don't mean that with any disrespect. I just mean like issues that present themselves in localization seem to present themselves in interpreting five to 10 years down the line. Right. So like yeah. we have machine translation here, right? Mm-hmm. Well, voice machine interpretation is a little bit more challenging. So that's, you know, that's going to, that's yeah. hitting later. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel, yeah, so it, it, it's interesting to, to watch how this plays out. So having learned the lessons from the localization industry, but also recognizing that we're not in the same place as an industry right now that the localization industry was in mm-hmm. year, years and years ago, right? Um, yeah. So, for example, I, I say all this to say this, that um, to, to say that, I predict that one of the next big discussions that we're going to be having to have when it comes to interpreting is the existence of half minimum fees, right? Like half day minimums, mm-hmm. full day minimums, stuff like that, which are um, traditionally kept in place to protect the interpreter from having to travel, having to study, you know, prepare and all, all of this stuff, even if the session is only you know, half an hour to an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, those requirements are decreasing, though, if people don't have to yeah. travel and all of that stuff. Yeah, and this is also part of where the um, resistance to remote interpreting is, is coming from. It's not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons is the, the different rates, of course. Yeah. What? You mean it has to do with money? Yeah, I know. Right? That's shocking. Yeah. But it's not the only reason. It's also there's some uh, more uh, health reasons as well around issues with the um, audio and the also the, the screen yeah. work, I guess, all day. So. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, it's not the only reason, but it certainly is one important one also. Well, and it's easy for, you know, people like that. Well, not, there's a hardware requirement too, to, to doing remote interpreting as well. We need to get that as well. But yeah, it's, if, uh, before the report, I just want to do a quick time check here because we're coming up on the hour, Sarah. And yes, <laughs> as for our inaugural outing, how, how are we feeling about this? Uh, well, I, I feel great. I, I'm having a good time chatting about my favorite topic. So Okay. Well, <laughs> me too. This is a great <laughs> way to start my Monday. Uh, any closing closing thoughts on this the update, the State of the Union when it comes to interpreting today? A lot to cover in yes. one hour. So 
I think the last year was a little um, scary in some cases, not just uh, health-wise, I mean business-wise for interpreting as well, um, because there were so many changes. Interpreters had to adapt to a lot of uh, new technological challenges. Um, the LSPs had to adapt to a lot of challenges. In some cases, you know, I, I know in the beginning, everyone had to help their clients move online. And like I said, there's some difficulties with the equipment, maybe different rates. But uh, my advice would be to not uh, be afraid uh, to try to embrace this change. Of course, we need to have discussions about uh, the health of the interpreters and uh, things like that. But in the end, this is a this is a good move that will only uh, further expand the interpreting market so that there will be more requests for interpreting services. So it's a growing industry is what all of this is showing that all the innovation, all the in investment that would not be happening if interpreting services were dying down. So if anything, they are expanding. It's a thriving industry. And I think it's quite exciting that interpreters are in a market where there is actually more demand than supply. That's my closing. So all good news. It's pretty good news. No, it's, not no news. No, no, it's not without its challenges. No, it's not without its challenges. Not without its challenges. To me, challenges are good news. Challenges are fun. Exactly. You can rise to the challenge. Well, thank you very much, Sarah, for coming on. I'm. Um, thank you if if you're you're watching this. Thank you for joining us. Like I said, this is our first uh, outing, um, testing a new setup here. We're going to be coming to you every week, I believe. On on Mondays, it's going to be a set time. We do a yep. lot of these live streams here on Nimsy. And a lot of them are pop-ups. You'll see my face up here all the time. So if you mm -hmm. subscribe to Nimsy, whatever platform you're watching this on right now, you'll be notified when we go live so that you'll never have to miss it. Um, we have interesting guests on all the time. If you have an idea for uh, an interesting guest, maybe you are an interesting guest. Maybe you have something to talk about, some value to add for our audience. We want to hear from you. So reach out. You can DM me on LinkedIn, Tucker Johnson. You can write to info at nimsy.com and we will get you set up and going live with either me or with the wonderful Sarah Hickey here. So Sarah, thank you so much for having us on today. I'm, I think the music is playing right now and we'll see what this button does if it still works. All right. And we are out. Perfect. Thanks, Tucker. <laughs>